Welcome back to Kingdom Cast. It's your host, Bad Little Chuck. We're back for another week as the Chiefs wrapped up their NFL draft weekend last week. Um, over to the top right-hand corner is my guy, Country. Over to the bottom right-hand corner is my guy, Boogie. And we have our special guest at the bottom left-hand corner. He currently works for the Athletic. He is the current Chiefs beat writer for the Athletic. Uh, I'd like to welcome my guy, Nate Taylor, to this week's episode of Kingdom Cast. How you doing, Nate? Good. I'm doing good, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Um, I like I got to sleep the last few nights because like I, I I don't have to worry about the draft anymore. It's been it's like oh like it's nice outside. I, I didn't notice that until like two days ago. So I'm good. <laughs> yeah, everybody be going ham, man. As far as you and the other beat writers and just anybody covering the Chiefs, man, just been going nonstop at it. So I bet it was a lot, man. So. Um, to kick things off, though, man, before we get into the draft and everything, um, how did you go about, um, you know, getting hired for the athletic, and why did you want to? Why did you want to pursue that? No, it's it's a good question, and again, I, I'm really thankful to just be on with you guys and have been watching you all uh, grow this thing for a while. Yeah, I mean, I have one of the coolest jobs in the city, which is like weird to say. But, you know, I try to remind myself that quite a bit, Chuck. And I know we've talked before, but, like, we're both from Kansas City. Um, me and my family moved back in 2017 because my wife, Holly, got a job at Berkeley, which is an advertising firm here in Kansas City. So before that, I was in Indianapolis covering the NBA and the Indiana Pacers. And, you know, we decided to move our family in Kansas City. So I kind of quit my job, um, thought I was going to cover the NBA for, like, you know, 15, 20 years or whatever. Um, but our son was three at the time. And so it just made sense to, to to make that move and to be around my parents more and to be around her parents. And yeah, the athletic was like just starting around 2016 going into 2017. And so from a couple of people that recommended me for the opportunity to cover the Chiefs with the athletic, it was, it was my buddy, Rustin Dodd, who covered the Royals for a lot of years. Um, Therese Paler was a big, voice to say hey do you guys know that nate moved back to kansas city even though um you know i really wasn't working um as a beat writer at the time i had kind of i had kind of written um for about eight months for the fellowship of christian athletes so anybody who goes to a royals game you can see the fellowship of christian athletes you know headquarters like across i-70 so i would write for their magazine and i would interview all sorts of athletes across all different sports um, but enough word of mouth got around um, that the athletic interviewed for it, you know, interviewed me for the job. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't sure if I was going to get it. I was just like, hey, I've never covered pro football, but I've been watching the Chiefs my whole life. And I think this I, I remember telling one of my editors, Paul uh, Pictenbaum, I was like, I think this Mahomes dude's going to be good. So, you know, if he's good, people obviously want to read about the team. Uh, I had known Andy Reid's background for a while. And so it just, it was like the perfect time, a, a real perfect fit. And for two years, all my friends, all my family was like, did you know they were going to like become Super Bowl contenders? And it's like, no, <laughs> but I had a feeling they were going to be better. Um, so it really just worked out. It's one of those things where it's like, it was a perfect time to, to like, change up my career. It was a great opportunity. And it was in the city that I'm from and that, you know, it's just cool to know that people can read my work, can see what I do on Twitter, can obviously be with you guys 
and know that I can go back as, mo- as long as you want. Like I got all this information from my dad and then I've lived through it, you know, for 30 some odd years. So, um, yeah, man, it, it's really cool. I don't know what I'll do next, but right now it's pretty good. Yeah, so you kind of got like a prodigal son type of story with the Chiefs in Kansas City. That's that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it is, man. It's like I knew people in the organization before I took the job, right? And so one of the funniest things was, you know, if people really care, and I'm not asking people to care to this degree, but like some people were like, hey, I know Nate from high school or, you know, we went to college together at Central Missouri. You know, like Kansas City is a small town. Like I, I remember I called Chuck for the first time and we knew like five people instantly. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just a cool thing. So there were some people that were like, uh, that knew that I rooted for the team for most of my life. Uh, I remember visiting my parents in 2015, like when the Royals were really hot. Uh, that was the year Hayden was born. We flew, me and Holly flew to Kansas City to tell my parents and her folks, uh, hey, we're going to have a kid. Like, you know, this is going to be the first uh, first child in our in our marriage. Like, you know, we, we kind of kept it a secret. And like, I knew a couple people and I was like, can I take my dad on a tour of Arrowhead Stadium? Because he's been following the team since they came here in 66. And so you find out the time slide, you figure out it, it kind of works for everybody. And so there's like pictures on my Facebook page of us like, you know, going through the Chiefs locker room on like this tour. Cause I'm just like, hey, you know, uh, isn't this cool? Isn't this cool to be on the field? And this was in like, again, this was during the summer. Um, and little did me or my dad realize that like in less than three years, I was going to be like covering the actual team. So it's just wild, man. Uh, it, it is, it's an unbelievable blessing. And, uh, and yeah, people, people will come up to me all the time. And they're like, you know, how did you get the job? And be like, how is this like perfect for you? But I'm like, I don't, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just the way life works sometimes. But it's a, uh, it, it's really cool, and it's cool that like people, you know, people can know you for a while, and then when you have like a really cool job, it just, it just makes everybody's relationship with you really, you know, fun. That's what's up, man. Yeah. That's really cool. <clears throat> So, yeah. so um, speaking of Kansas City, and as a Kansas City native, you know how we feel about Kansas City, Missouri versus <laughs> Kansas City, Kansas. Yep. It's, 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 a, it's, not, it's never going to die. Nope. It's, I don't know where it started. I don't know where it's going. It's kind of like Kansas City versus St. Louis. Yep. I don't know how that started, but whatever. It's going to continue forever as, as long as we are alive. So Kyle Long tweeted, uh, what exactly did he tweet? I don't know exactly word for word. He just yeah. said, I joined Kansas. That's yeah. It. It, 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 basically before that, he said that he was yeah. looking for a place in KC. So either in Kansas or Missouri. So I don't know how people missed the boat on that. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious, right? Because, you know, Kyle – I mean, he 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 only played for the for the Chicago Bears, so like Chicago's in Illinois, you got to worry about it from a geographical stuff. And uh, I think like if you ask, like if I think right now, I think more guys on the team is are starting to live in Kansas than Missouri. Um, for instance, Pat lives in Missouri, but like Tyreek Hill lives in Kansas. Like 
Um, one of the first people I really got to know was Mitchell Schwartz and like he lives in Overland Park. So it was like, okay, cool. So you're starting to like some guys are starting to realize that Kansas is an option. But it's funny to me that one one fan on Twitter was like, but Arrowhead's in Missouri. And it's just like I'm sure he knows where, where he's going to play football on Sunday, Sean. Like, hey, that's not an issue. <laughs> but it's it's fun. Like my my dad went to uh my dad went to Kansas University and he roots for the Jayhawks. I growing up living on the Missouri side, like I just I just kind of rocked with with the Missouri Tigers. So I was just like, you know, we'll make it we'll make it fun in the house. So uh it's it's been it was it was it's funny to know that like I lived in Missouri my whole life. So I went to Hickman Mills High School. Um Bannister Mall was like the big thing back in the day. It was not Oak Park Mall. Like that was like kind of frowned upon when I was growing up. And as soon as we made the decision to come back home, I was like, Kansas got some nice houses. So like, so like I live, <laughs> I live on the Kansas side. And now my boy is like learning about the Jayhawks. And I'm like, oh, no, but like Missouri hasn't been good at basketball for like <laughs> so it's just like whatever, man. Jayhawks. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy, enjoy your fandom. But yeah. Um I I love that like Kyle Long's pretty active on Twitter and he's a really smart dude and pretty fun to talk to. So I hope fans like get to enjoy him the more he obviously plays with the team. But people should uh people should cut cut some players some slack. I think I think folks would be surprised at how many guys live in Kansas, even though the paycheck is coming from the Missouri side. You're exactly right, Nate. And Kent, I appreciate the compliments. Um Philip, yeah, Rod <laughs> Chalk, yeah, whatever. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but this was the quote tweet that cracked me up though. This girl was like, uh, it's Kansas City. And Kyle Law was like, I live in Kansas though, like 30 minutes away from Kansas City. Why are you yelling? <laughs> Kyle Long is hilarious. I like him on Twitter, man. I really do. Yeah. yeah. He's been very interactive. I told him come get some chicken whenever he wants to. Um, that Kent Swan that Kent Swanson uh comment. Nobody wanna hear that, Kent. Nobody <laughs> You could have kept that to yourself, bro. <laughs> I feel like Kent's always looking for some, uh, like, good dude, love him to death. But, yeah, he always kind of looking for some attention. So I I know what Kent's up to, you know. Every time, like, every time he tweets about the Royals, I'm just like, come on, Kent, man. Let, let them let them boys have, have some time. Like, we're not, trying to, we're not trying to win the World Series. Chill. But, yeah. Kent, Kent is a, a, a failed stand-up comedian in his own mind. <laughs> Yeah, He's good with the draft, though. I'll give him his props. Yep. So so that caused the uproar this week, and it was hilarious. It was funny. Um, like you said, a long weekend, and we finally got through with the draft. So how do you feel about draft grades? Is, is it too early to grade, a, to grade a draft? My opinion is I, I, I can get graded on the potential of what the players are going to be. Right. But I won't actually grade the draft for like three years. That that's how you really grade a, what they ended up being in the long run versus the potential of what they are right now. No, that's so a, that's potentially a, I give it an A. I think it was yeah. an A, a draft. Yeah, a good I, draft. 
No, you, you, I, I, uh, I think you're doing it the right way, country. Like we, we have to. Like it's so hard because, like, I even tell myself this. Like, it's what? What's today? May seventh. Man, they're not gonna play. They're not gonna play football in June. They're not gonna play football in July. Like football in August. Yeah. Like we, we still gotta wait four months before any of these dudes. Like, like, what are they as players? Or like, who? You know, who's gonna get some snaps? Like, who's gonna be a surprise? Um. One of the cool things about this year was like obviously knowing what the team needed, kind of watching more college film than I had done in the past. I just had more time um, getting to know more people in the organization, of course. And so I would give them like a B, B plus just because, you know, some people will say, well, why didn't they take a receiver early? You know, maybe they could have got a cornerback. And like, I can't really push back on those opinions. It's like, you know, there's good reason for that. But look, they, they wanted to improve the offensive line. Obviously, Nick Bolton um, is a local, you know, kind of a local pick coming from Missouri. But, yeah, the fun thing is to go on, like, just, like, enter Google, like, Chiefs 2012 draft class. Like, the way you may have felt about it that year is, like, totally different three years after the fact. And it gets really interesting, like, a decade later where you're, like, like, is a, is a 2013 draft classic success? It's like, I mean, Eric Fisher was the number one pick, but he wasn't like, he's not a Hall of Famer, but he won a Super Bowl. So it's like, I can kind of go either way. Uh, you know, when they when they drafted Chris Jones in 2016, I thought that was interesting at the time. Um, like, the whole draft class with Tyreek, uh, what year was that? Was that 15? I can't remember if that was 15, but like, the draft class of Tyree Kill comes in, it's like, well, that's a success because I got Tyree Kill in the fifth round. Like, you're never going to get a player like that ever again. So I think you can say three years, who do I want to give a second contract to? Because by the fourth year, you got to honestly make a decision, uh, especially if you don't have a first-round pick. So, like, all these guys in this year's draft, they'll be up for a contract in 2025. And you hope that you can give, like, at least three of those dudes contracts um, and that they'll all be starters. You know who they are. They're going to be good dudes both on the field in the locker room. But, yeah, I don't think they had any – any. I don't think they really made any misses this year. But it'll be, it'll be interesting, like, 2024, you're like, man, Nick Bolton, he ain't really – he hasn't worked out or, you know – Cornell Pell's not even on the team or Creed Humphrey has been dealing with injuries. Like all that, all that can happen. Like it can really happen. Or Nick Bolton's like a pro bowler. Creed Humphrey's like dude that just plays every Sunday. He and Pat got a good thing going past, you know, being protected. Cornell Powell's like number three wide receiver. You know who he is. Um, I really think Noah Gray is going to be fun. Like, can Noah Gray be good at football? Like, please. Like, it would just be nice to have him and Travis Kelsey kind of working together. Um, I don't know about Josh Kando. I don't know, y'all. Like, he might be good. <laughs> he may not. I I look at the tape, and I'm like, he's tall, big, and athletic. Can he play football? So, like, it'll be fascinating to know three years from now, I want to give a contract to this dude, this dude, this dude, and I'm going to let that dude, that dude, and that dude go to free agency and kind of, you know, see who else comes after these draft picks. Because I wrote a story like two weeks ago, 
and you go through the research and you're like, the whole 2017 draft would have been like a massive success beyond Patrick if Kareem Hunt's still on the team, but he's not on the team anymore. So with him not being on the team after 2018 and especially after 2019, they have to draft Clyde Edwards-Alaire. If Kareem Hunt is still on the team after his rookie contract, he gets a second deal. You never even hear who Clyde Edwards-Alaire is in this city. So all these decisions will obviously create more down the line, but I think most teams want like four guys to work out. Um, and if you do a really good job, four of them are going to be guys that are going to be around the team for seven, eight years. Yeah, you're right about so, that. And speaking of Nick you, Bolton, my bad country. Speaking of Nick no. Bolton, <laughs> there's a little controversy with Nick Bolton, the Nick Bolton pick. Like, see, like half the Chiefs fans loved it, and half the Chiefs fans like, why? But uh, Young E. Todd made a comment talking about, I want to know it's going to take the first Nick Bolton hit. I'm curious about yeah. that. So I want to get your opinions about Nick Bolton. What did you think about the draft pick, Nate? <sighs> I don't know how to evaluate linebackers right now, man. It's it's so hard. Like, I thought Willie Gay was going to be really good last year because I looked at the stuff he did at Mississippi State, and I was like, oh, man, that's like a, that's like a starter right there. You can just, like, plug him in. Um, and then Steve Spagnuolo was like, nah, man, he's going to have to learn the whole rookie season before he plays. So, like, I want to believe it. I can go either way. Um, what the Chiefs tell me is that the dude is super smart, super committed to football. Um, he's not, like, the most athletic, but he's pretty good for what the team needs. And the thing that I complained about, and I know people have mentioned, like, Ben Neiman in the comments, is, like, can he be better than Ben Neiman? Like that's that's like the first that's like the yes. first hurdle. Like yes. can, like <laughs> so so Damian Wilson is not on the team anymore. He was a starter. Damian Wilson is in Jacksonville. So okay. can you be better than, than Ben Neiman? Then can you be like a true starter? Then can you be really really good? Like you know because I think I think the plan for, for like Brett Veach and Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo is. By next season in 2022, can we count on Willie Gay and Nick Bolton? Like those are our two dudes. They're gonna be on the field all three downs. They can hit people and they can cover. Uh, and obviously, they got experience working together for a year. Like I hope that's the case. Um, I want it to happen. It would be cool. But playing linebacker in this league has gotten like really, really hard. Like teams aren't running the ball on first down as much anymore. Like, they're just airing it out. Like, where's my four wide receivers? And where's, like, it, it, it's funny because I watched Patrick do this. <laughs> like, if people want to go back and watch the watch the Chiefs play the Broncos from, like, two years ago, Patrick comes up to the line of scrimmage or they're in shotgun. He kind of looks around. And he's like, where are the linebackers at? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's who we're going against. <laughs> and so – like Andy Reid would call plays and they would be laughing because it would be Sammy Watkins on a linebacker. And it's just like, that wasn't, that wasn't happening in 2010. Like, so being a linebacker in the SEC and being like an all SEC player, like that's a good, like that's a good place to go get somebody. But man, these teams, man, they figure out like, okay, Anthony Hitchens, like let's put you, let's put you in coverage. And it's like, that's, that's hard. So um, I'm cool if people are kind of hesitant on the pit, 
but I understand why the team did it because there wasn't that many good linebackers in this draft class to begin with. And if he's athletic enough and smart enough to stay on the field, he gives you a chance to like have some success. But I think mostly this defense is all, as long as Steve Spagnuolo's on the team, Chuck, I think the defense is always going to come down to pass rush and secondary and just don't F up in the middle of the field if you're a linebacker. Like, don't make mistakes. Don't miss tackles. Um, you know, get everybody lined up correctly. Um, but we'll see. Like, he's probably, <laughs> he's going to have to play more than, than Willie Gay last year, in my opinion. Like, he's got to play more. And a lot of times as rookies, you just, hey, man, make all the mistakes now so that you can get better in year two and year three. Yeah. Okay, Nate, since we got you, it's a little off topic. Can you discuss the dilemma of Ben Neiman? What what is what is the aura around Ben Neiman? before Charles busts a, a, a gasket? Yeah. You, mentioned, you mentioned Neiman three times. That's the most we've ever been mentioned on this show. <laughs> and like, I can see smoke coming I, from Charles' ears. Right. <laughs> Here, here's like my Stephen A impression. Because I know everybody on the team, right? Uh Ben Neiman, great kid. He is great. Very, very cool dude. Um, super overachiever, like super overachiever. Dude wasn't drafted, and he's still on the roster. So no matter what people say, Ben Neiman has succeeded in life. All that said, like at some point, you can't really rely on undrafted. Like you know how good you have to be to be undrafted and just stay on the roster year after year after year. And like be a fringe starter, like you gotta be like Doug Baldwin. Like Doug Baldwin is someone who was undrafted and has balled out in Seattle and has just like overcome every obstacle. Like that doesn't happen in the NFL. So what I would tell Ben Neiman, and I'm sure what the Chiefs told him is, if you get another year, and this matters, if you if you make it to the fourth year in the league, you get the league pension. Like that's massive. So that means you're going to get money essentially from the league for the duration. Like no matter when you're cut, like obviously there's all the concussion and like legal stuff about like lawsuits and whatever. But like if you get the pension, like you've ultimately succeeded. And I've said this a few times, but Ben Neiman is somebody that you can maybe use in dime coverage. And like he's an above average special teams player. That's kind of how he made the roster to begin with. And because, like, they didn't have – they had, like, two linebackers you trusted in 2018. I was there, and I was like, ooh-wee. They're going to give up a lot of points this year because <laughs> Ben Neiman is playing better than Emmanuel Smith. How many people remember Emmanuel Smith? But, like, he was just better than him at camp. So, like, it made all the right sense in the world. Um, but the Chiefs are – I thought you probably better than Emmanuel Smith. Yeah. But the Chiefs are smart. The Chiefs know they got to get better at the linebacker position, and it's a business. So if we can get better at a position, but you still know the defense, you still know Spag, you still know Anthony Hitchens, they're obviously tight. Like, let's give you one more year. Let's see where it works. If something goes wrong with Nick or Willie, if one of them gets hurt, like at least you know the system. At least we know you're not going to, like, screw up your assignments. Um but, yeah, I mean, Ben Neiman catches a lot of flack, and it's okay. I mean, I understand that, like, the dude is undrafted. 
Um, he doesn't look like other linebackers, and uh, he he has he has found a way to make it work. And so um, when free agency came up, I kind of knew that it was it was smart for him to kind of stay with the Chiefs, and it was smart for the Chiefs to be like, at least we have somebody we can you know trust for not a lot of money on the salary cap, and then we'll reevaluate this next year because if we draft a linebacker and that linebacker is good, then he will ultimately replace Ben Neiman a year from now. And that's that's the business of the NFL. Yeah, but I feel yeah. like Ben Neiman knows somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. Shout out to Trick Daddy. Do you think that's a Dave Told thing? Yeah, I mean, I mean playing a big part in that. You 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 know it, Buggy. You know it. I mean, look, when training camp ends and they have to make the cuts to the 53 guys, um I can't say this com- I can't say this definitively, but I think Andy Reid probably gives Dave Cole the last five roster spots. Cause those dudes are gonna play special teams. Who do you trust? Like Hey man, we can't be giving up block punts. We can't be missing up field goals. We can't be missing up kickoff coverage. So if if you trust him, okay, he can be on the team. Like Marcus Kemp, right? Marcus Kemp. I was just about to say that. <laughs> like, hey, like, I do it. <laughs> Marcus Kemp knows the playbook in and out, kids. He knows everything. All right. So if the <laughs> staff trust him. Guess where he gonna be? He gonna be on that roster now. Right. They they drafted Cornell Powell, right? Yeah. Logical replacement for Marcus Kemp. Whenever you want to make that decision, whether that's this year or next year. So like, all these things change. But like, I remember like when I first started covering the team, like Frank Zombo was like kind of that guy where it was like, hey man. Frank Zombo, he'd be on this roster because he knows the old special team. He know the playbook. He's not going to miss his assignment. He may not get there because he's not as athletic as you would want. But um, – and he's not – and you have to think about this too. Like, bottom end of the roster dudes, those dudes cannot mess up the locker room. So, like, don't say nothing. Uh, don't be all, you know, arrogant with, like, you know, know your, know your lane, stay in it, keep the locker room cool. You know, answer the questions what the coaches have, um, and if you do all that, and you know, you then they they can rely on you. Like you're not going to get hurt. Then yeah, like the last I would say, like the last five guys on the roster kind of make the team because Dave Tobe is like, okay, he's going to stay in his lane. He knows what he's going to do. He's not trying to be, you know, super, you know, over the top with it. And so that person is going to give us value. Uh, over the course of 16 games and you know if we need to go get somebody to replace them they're a little bit easier to go replace but we like who they are everybody on the team likes them it makes sense to keep them around even if the fans are like why is Nick Kaiser on the team like why is it like how many people were like why is Nick Kaiser on the team and I'm like does he know how to block y'all he's not out here trying like you think Nick Kaiser is out here running post routes? Like I feel bad for Nick Kaiser. There, there's two plays last year. It was a it was a snow game against Denver where Andy where Andy was like, you know what, Nick, 
You've been working. You've been working these last six weeks. I see what you out here doing. We're gonna call a play for you. Mm-hmm. And then he dropped it, and everybody was like, "But you were so wide open." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, yep. this is this is why Andy Reid is a is a is a player's coach, right? He be out mm-hmm. here working that film for hours, and was like, "You know what? I'm gonna get Nick Kaiser open." You you don't have to do that. No no one said you had to do that, Andy. Like Airbnb <laughs> and them, they're looking at the play sheet like. Let's run one for Nick. Let's let's give Nick one. And then it's just like he's so wide open. And the second one, <laughs> this play I'm gonna remember for the rest of my life, y'all. The, the the game where they lost to Oakland. Patrick's looking, he's looking, ain't nobody open. Oh, and, yes. and so he rolls yes. to his right. He rolls to his right. He's like, nobody's open. Nobody's open. Holy smokes, what is Nick Kaiser doing in the middle of the field? And he was like, <laughs> And I and I give Pat all the credit in the world because like is Aaron Rodgers throwing you that football? He might not, dog. No. Is, is Drew Brees throwing that football? Like he might be like, "Where's Tyreek?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> but Pat Pat is Pat has said this from day one. If you're open, you're getting the ball. So Pat's like, "There's Nick. Here you go." Like he just he just laced that thing, and it hit Nick right in the hands. And I just try to tell people all the time, imagine if you were on the middle of an NFL field, y'all. And this man threw you open like 30 yards down the field. You drop it too. You know you would drop it. But the problem is he just be out here blocking. Like that's like like he got in what world Nick was like, I mean, this is what the coaches tell me to do, right? Kind of kind of on the open space, you know, be be available for the quarterback. I'm available for the quarterback. We hadn't practiced this all week. And you can just see the ball coming. He's just like, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Shout out to the Kaiser. Love him to death. But like he, he there's a reason why he dropped the ball, because they don't they don't practice that. Do right. you think in that moment he's seen his whole career flash before? <laughs> it's it's like and I and I know what it, I I, I kind of know what it feels like because you talk to guys and it's like Pat does so many things that you can't predict that it's just hard. It's just like like I talked to Demarcus Robinson and he's just like, hey man, sometimes we just be out here freelancing because Pat's not you know the play's broken down and so you got to be really focused when the ball comes to you because you're like. You're not supposed to be throwing the ball here, but he's so like Pat's so good at it. So if you're Nick, you're like, "This is my one opportunity. I'm gonna make a catch," and then you start getting like super arrogant. I'm gonna get this catch. I'm gonna shape one man. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna break another tackle. I'm gonna be on Sports Center. Holy smokes! I dropped the ball. <laughs> 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 like, like it's just it happens that quickly, kids. Oh, Nick. You're like I'm like I'm open. Here comes the ball. I'm about to get my shine. Oh, and now I've dropped it. I've just I've That's dropped right. the ball. They're not gonna like a dunce. You know what? Does does Demarcus Robinson fit in that category of guys? He knows the playbook in and out. He he he's he's smart. He he, yep. he does make some decisions. Like he had a lot of mental mistakes last year. Yeah. And this whole thing where he goes backwards first before he goes forward. But I think he's reliable for the most part. But does he fit into that category too? Yep, he does. He does. He plays on special teams quite a bit. And here's another thing that, like, 
I hope DeMarcus understands this year versus last year. Um, it became clear because, you know, Sammy was hurt. So there was a lot of games where, hey, maybe maybe a lot of those yards, those stats could go to DeMarcus. The problem is mentally it's kind of tough because he was, he was in a contract year. So you want to get those numbers as high as possible while also trying to win so that you can, you know, reap the benefits in free agency. I felt a lot of times DeMarcus was trying too hard because he knew I'm trying to put stuff on tape so I can show other teams here's what I can do. So if I catch a ball and go backwards, maybe I can, like, shake a guy and I'll get extra yards. and That'll show toughness, tenacity, desire, um, and it just didn't work out. Like, let's the not back forget <laughs> <far. laughs> the, <back> <laughs> the Saints game, right? We're like <laughs> – Oh, man, even even everybody, everybody that like I know loves the team, watch the team, family members, like people obviously know that I cover the team. Like just like because it was like right before halftime, and my text was just full of just like what is he doing? And I'm just like, yeah, here he trying hard, he trying very hard, and not successfully. Um, so how do you separate? How do you separate Nate the fan from Nate? The media guy, or what's the yeah. proper term? The no, no, it's no. It, I, I, I love the sport, so that's like the first thing. Like I'm always gonna love it just as much as like you guys do. Um, I just, I just have this cool job where I can ask questions that I know you guys think about, right, or that you guys want to hear. Um, one of the cool things last year, and I wrote about this, but, like, I got to watch, you know, I didn't travel for away games because, you know, coronavirus. Right. So I would be in the press box for home games, but I would watch it on my couch in my living room for road games. Yeah. So a couple times my dad would watch the game with us. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to be like, what is he thinking versus what I'm thinking, right? Like, he's still a complete fan. He still wants to know, like, well, why is Steve Spagnuolo blitzing you know, versus, you know, running more zone coverage or why does the team do this? Um, and so I can – it's, it's kind of like, like you mentioned, being two things in one. But because I've been a fan for all my life, I kind of understand what – I hope at least, I should say. I hope I know what fans are thinking and feeling and what they want to know about the game after the fact that you can't really know unless you like ask – the player or ask the coach, you know, I think there was a real responsibility during the Super Bowl because it became clear about the third quarter, y'all, where I was looking up and I was just like, whoo, um, (laughs) (laughs) like, like, and that, and that, and that's, and that's hard for me because, dog, they only lost one game all year. So as a, as a reporter, you're trying to anticipate, well, what's the story if they win? Like, they'd be back-to-back champs. It's a dynasty. Mahomes has beaten Brady in the, in the postseason. Like, there's all these thoughts I have in my head. And then as a fan, I understand, too, like, man, if they win if they win two in a row, whew, Kansas City, man, they ain't going to be able to say nothing to anybody. Like, they would have been – the Chiefs would have been the first team in 15 years to go back-to-back. Like, that would have been massive. Yeah, so would have been. All of a sudden, it's the fourth quarter. Um, the ball bounces off of Daryl Williams' face. Shout out to him. 
And it's just like, <laughs> okay, they go, they're going to lose today. Like, wow, they're going to lose. And I know every, I know what every fan's thinking. They don't look right. And Britt Reed, like, almost killed a girl two days before they flew off the plane. He's not here. Andy Reid can't be in the right mind. And I would tend to agree with fans here because they were one of the best teams I've ever seen. In, they're one of the best teams in recent modern football. And I've talked to people not in the Chiefs organization. I've talked to players from other teams. They make so many adjustments in the game that it's it's insane. So, okay, you're going to play cover three. Cool. We're going to do this, this, and this. Okay. When they played Buffalo the first time in October, oh, you're going to you're gonna just play back and you're going to swim. Like, okay, Clyde, here's the ball a hundred times, run it down their throat. Um, they made so many adjustments against the Buccaneers in the first game where it was comical, where the Buccaneers were like, well, this is what we do. We out here playing man coverage. And they're like, do you know Tyreek Hill's the fastest guy on the field? Right. So it's like every time – Pat would come to the line and be like, okay, we're adjusting. <laughs> Run deep. Like, basically, like, these dudes could look at one another and be like, you see this? Okay, there's the adjustment. He's going deep. They didn't adjust in that game. And it was it's shocking to watch because the offensive line's playing terrible. You could run a bunch of stuff to make it easier on your offensive alignment. They didn't do that. They didn't give the ball to Clyde. Like they didn't do. They didn't do a ton of different things in the game. And so, I know what fans are thinking, and it's kind of like my responsibility to be like, well, why are they not playing well? But I also understand that like fans want to know from Andy's perspective what this, how weird this all is. Because what I asked them was. Hey, man, like, we know what you said about Ariel. We know what the organization has said, but, like, what's it like for you and have you talked to your son? Because you're, you know, because I kind of knew he was in the hospital at the time. And he gave, I think, as honest an answer as a coach can when you've been, you know, basically undressed as, as a coaching staff in the biggest game of the season. Um, and I know fans want to hear that. So a lot of times I can kind of go back and forth where it's like, I want to acknowledge the fans as best I can, but I want to get to like the truth of what's going on with the team as much as possible. And this, it's hard to match those two things at the same time, but you're trying a lot. Um, and look, I mean, I think the most memorable thing, I mean, I know what show I'm on, <laughs> but I think the most memorable thing from the divisional playoff win against the Houston Texas is Chuck leaving the stadium and then them rolling them? <laughs> so I understand fans probably want to know who Chuck is. So I made it a point and I talked to my editor and he seemed cool with it. Let's go find Chuck's whole story. Because you only know so much about him making the decision to leave, the video coming out, Patrick obviously acknowledging Chuck. Uh, and so if that gets your thought process going, I, if I think that I'm pretty sure some fans are thinking that, so like, let's give them the information that they want, you know? Yeah, yeah. definitely. And man, Nate, it's crazy. Cause, um, I, I mentioned this too, man. I mentioned this on a previous show. I think it was after the Super Bowl 
when we had lost. I said, um, I was in the clubhouse, right? And they was doing, I was in one of the rooms doing a little pregame show for the Super Bowl. And an Eagles fan had mentioned that whenever Andy Reid has gotten distracted before, like off the field, like in regards to anything involving his family or him just in general, like his mind doesn't be in the right mind frame all of a sudden. And it definitely showed in the Super Bowl, man. Like you said, no adjustments were made. Like we weren't playing like how we usually play. And it was ugly. It, it, it was. Um, one thing that I know is that like, as, as talented as Patrick is, as much of a wizard as Andy Reid is, like understanding football and play calling, um, Eric Bieniemy, like I've been through some conversations where like you understand how human these people are. Like imagine the, like, the dignity that Eric Bieniemy has to show year after year when he doesn't get hired for a head coaching job, even though everybody knows he should probably be a head coach. Um, Andy Reid's human. Like it's just – it was terrible timing. I mean, it's never – let's say this. It's never a good time to – we, you know, allegedly, it's never good to drink, to acknowledge that to the police, and then get in the car and drive – what was it? I think the police report said he was they, – they, they, um, they believe he was traveling at a speed of, like, 83 miles an hour. Like, What? Like, what are we doing? Like, going, like, getting on the highway. And, guys, like, the facility is, like, two minutes away. Like, it's just, it's a terrible look. Um, so, you know, let's say that off the top. But, like, I mean, it was just terrible timing. Um, all the guys are human. And so, one example that I can give, and I heard this on another show, but, like, Trent Dilfer was telling, uh, I think it was Ryan Russo, and I kind of heard about it from another person. They were like, you should listen to it because in this context, it kind of makes sense. But, like, if Andy Reid's the leader, if he's a play caller, and you know he kind of not – like, you know other stuff going on in his life, it's totally understandable for him to be hesitant or to him to be, you know, cloudy or him to be, like, not focused. Okay, so you relay – you don't sound as confident with the play call. So now Eric Bieniemy's like, what's going on in Andy's head? Like, do I need to do more for Andy? Like, do we all need to pull our weight differently? That gets relayed to, to Patrick. That gets relayed to the rest of the players. It kind of filters down. And so um, it's just like with anybody. Like, if you know your boss isn't right, now the focus isn't completely on the main objective. So it goes the same way in football too. I mean, it's just, it's it's terrible. Um, I don't, I don't know. I know some people have asked um, recently, like, what do you think is going to happen now that Britt Reed's been charged? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, the maximum is seven years. Um, he could, they could potentially do a plea deal if he wants. I know the family for Ariel Young does not want that, but you know. It's either seven years. I would say it's either somewhere between four to seven years. It's just a just a general guess, but like, um, yeah. So I mean, it's it's wild, but that happens a lot. Just the further you remove yourself from that time, it's like they didn't. I'll just always remember they didn't make any adjustments and how crazy 
how different is the game if Tyreek Hill just catches the first pass in the end zone? And instead of going up 3 nothing, you go up 7 nothing, and now the Buccaneers have to think, man, is it going to happen all over again? Are they just going to, like, torch us? But you got three points, then there was a three and out, then Travis Kelsey dropped the third down, and it just kind of snowballed. Yeah. Who was that team? I don't know. I don't even know what game you're talking about. I, was, <laughs> I don't know who that was. It's, 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 it wasn't the Chiefs. I, I've never seen that team before. I know. It's it's so hard to watch because look at the week before. They smashed the Bills. I mean, it smashed them. It was embarrassing. And so for me, I look at teams like, what, what are the Ravens doing in free agency? What are they doing in the draft? What are the Bills doing? Like, okay, the Chargers kind of putting something nice together. Then I rolled through the table last year, and I'm like, man, nobody touched this team in the AFC. And then you play the Super Bowl clips, and you're just like, like what a what a weird world that was. That wasn't, you know, and they'll, they'll admit it, I think, as a, like, one of the cool things knowing all these guys is as the season goes on, you're going to start to learn more. And it's like, I think guys are going to admit like, yeah, that wasn't us. It was kind of a weird environment. Like obviously it should motivate you for this upcoming season, but it's weird. And I've done it a lot. You know, it's weird to go on game pass and be like, let me watch the AFC championship game. And it's just like, they killed those dudes. <laughs> and then it's like, let me go to the Super Bowl, And it's like, that's like a different oh. in the same universe. It's night and day. It's a night and day difference. Like, but yeah, the, 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 the only the only saving grace about the Super Bowl losing like that is I think it 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 lit an uh, eternal flame in Patrick Mahomes and the rest of the like the leaders of the team like Tyron, Patrick, Chris. I think those guys got this eternal flame for this year. Is and man. Look out! They 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 gonna they gonna lay waste to everybody this year. I don't think it's gonna be no sleeping walking. Last year we debated if they sleepwalk through Maybe. the season. I don't <laughs> think they're gonna be wide open for every game this year. It's gonna be no letdowns. Yeah. Uh. Real quick. Yeah. There were times where like the coaching staff and the players were kind of like, mm, "How many <laughs> left? <laughs> when did the playoffs start?" Like that, and again, that's human too. Like I think it was human for them last year to be like, "Man, Miami's playing really hard." Like the Dolphins are trying to make a statement. Oh, All right, let's turn on the switch, and then they turned it on, and that game was over in like five minutes. Um, I think you're right, though, country. Like the idea of like Tyron Matthew, Travis Kelsey. Like these are guys that like. Supremely confident, supremely athletic, um, very good leaders. And for Patrick specifically, man, the organization, like, I don't think Brett, I don't think people understand what Brett Veach just did for Patrick Mahomes. So that it can, in return, I mean, it's, I know they didn't get a receiver in free agency, I know they didn't get Trent Williams. But if this offensive line is as good as people think it's going to be, and the fact that Brett Beach was like, I'm going to help get this offensive line so we never have another Super Bowl like that again. Um, yeah, I mean, how would you not be excited for the upcoming season? How would you not want to show people that 
all right, we went to three straight AFC championship games. Well, let's host a fourth. Let's go back to the Super Bowl. Like, let's let's show that, like, just because what the Buccaneers did for one night is not going to be something that you can just take the blueprint and match it to whatever team in October. Like, I just – I mean, guys, Patrick's different. He's just so different. Like – He's an animal, man. Like, He's Michael Jordan. I mean, it's – like the Saints tried everything to beat him up last year. He took that shot, and I was like, I've never seen Patrick Mahomes get hit like that. Next oh, drive, be mad about that too. Yeah, <laughs> he comes out furious. Next drive, they go right down the field and score a touchdown. And it's just like, can Kirk Cousins do that? Can hell no? Can Jay Can Hurts do that? Can Can Kyler Murray do that? Like you just start, you just start asking questions. It's like, well, I'm not gonna like Drew Brees can't do that because he, he's kind of limited based on his age, and he was already dealing with his rib cage situation. But you just start like, just start thinking of scenarios, and I do this all the time. Just start asking questions like, can Justin Herbert do that? Can Drew Locke do that? Can, can David Carr do that? Like you just like, okay. Uh, <laughs> The, the Raiders have played out of their minds for three and a half quarters. They got to at least get a field goal to tie the game or just go down the field in less than two minutes to win the game. And you just start asking yourself, like, who can do this? Like, who like, who, who other quarterback? Like, maybe Aaron Rodgers, maybe Russell Wilson. Can Jimmy Garoppolo do that? Like, just, just – like, I want Chiefs fans to understand. Just, just insert quarterback. Can Baker Mayfield do this? So, if if he's motivated, if he's healthy, if he's protected, why would you why would you not trust what you've already seen before? Exactly. And I want to uh, switch it up just a little bit. I've been hearing a lot of wide receiver talk during the show today, so I got to get this question off for the audience here. Um, I know DJ Giz had mentioned about Sammy Watkins not being on the team anymore. So, with that being said, uh, my guy Nate wants to know, who do you think gets more receptions on the team this year? Demarcus Robinson, McCall Harmon, um, Powell, or uh, CEH out the backfield? CEH is an interesting, is an interesting like, throw-in. I kind of like that. Uh, I too. I kind of like that. I he's a wild card. That's a wild card guess right there. I like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna. I won't be surprised if it's Clyde, but I think this is the year where they need to find out if McCole Hartman is gonna make another jump. So, strategically, Andy, Eric Bieniemy, um, guys like Greg Lewis. Used to be the wide receivers coach. Now he's a running backs coach. Um, they should really design plays to see what McColl can do. Because it's year three. That's usually when wide receivers take off. There is no Sammy, of course, which is why the question was asked. And I appreciate it, Nathan. I would say it should be McColl. It might be Clyde. Um, because Clyde, I think, is, is, a, is a really interesting dude. Like, he's a better receiver. Um, than what he even showed last year because I was I would see things in practice and I would be like, man, when are they gonna get to that? And they just didn't, they never got to those kind of plays. Um, but I think McColl was really motivated. I think McColl has the talent to do it. It's just can you be consistent enough? Can you concentrate all the time? 
Um, can he get his chemistry with Patrick a little bit tighter? You know, like when Patrick got on the field with, with Tyreek, they kind of built something real quick. I mean, Patrick and, and Kelsey, it's just, I mean, it's insane how good those dudes are together, especially on third down. So it's Patrick's responsibility to really get McColl going. It's Andy Reid's job to sort of design some more plays for McColl. And like we said before in the draft class, this is the third year of the 2019 draft class. Like, I think Juan Thornhill is probably the best pick so far. But let's see. Let's see what McColl does in year three. And if he plays really well, then you can be confident giving him a second contract. You can be confident saying maybe we don't need to draft a wide receiver next year. Maybe we don't need to get somebody in free agency uh, because we gave him more snaps and he gave us more production. And if he plays better in the postseason, then that will be, you know, the trading time. Yeah, if I was my color I would move my locker room, my locker, right next to Pat. I would start hanging out with Jackson and Brittany. I would start playing with his dogs. I would get as close as I could to Patrick. Jackson and Brittany. I would be babysitting Sterling. I would get as close as I could to Patrick Mahomes this offseason. Hey. That's where the money at, bro. That's where the money's gonna be at. It's true. Hey, hey, who who went who what which teammate went to surprise Yes, went to surprise Arizona. With the family, you know, uh, Travis and, and um, uh, Travis and his lady. Um, I mean, they hang out all the time. I mean, you know, we, all of it matters. Like, I'm, I'm one of the yeah. people that believes all everything matters. Like every little piece. Like, you know, take the chemistry that you got off the field onto the field. Take the chemistry that you got onto the field off to the field. And, you know, really build, like, that bond. I mean, it, it all matters, right? So I uh, I completely agree with you. Like, and, just, the, and the thing is, oh, I hate to interrupt you, but the no, thing no, no, is, no. I think Pat sees the potential of McCall. That's why he's so hard on McCall. He's not like that with anybody else. You, yeah. I've never seen him yell at Travis. I've never seen him yell at Tyreek. Well, nobody right. yelled at him. I've never seen him yell at any other – like you said, Nick Kaiser dropped a wide open. <laughs> he didn't even yell. He didn't even care. Right, but right. McCall, McCall it, it gets to him, and he attacks. He yells at McCall. He's the only guy he does that to. Yep. So either he sees potential in him or he just don't like him. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. I think he likes him as a teammate. Yeah. I, think, I think he recognizes the talent. He just wants it, and he wants McCall to want it just as much as he wants it. For McCall. So McCall yeah. got to get it right this year. Yeah. We're, we're, one thing that, like, I, I want to tell people here and whenever, like, that's why Sammy Watkins was so important. Because Sammy don't need the ball all the time to be a professional. Now, his issue was the legs, <laughs> the injuries, <laughs> the calf, the hamstring. He had a lot of muscle, muscle tension issues like, like, that's that's fine like that's that that sadly is what sammy's career is kind of going to be known for is like super bowl champion and like right next to it is dude was like incredible like has so much talent but like he can only tap into it so much because of you know it's a it's a brutal physical sport um the one thing that i always will respect sammy is just the ultimate professional 
Like, not going to get mad. Going to be very encouraging. He and I think I think Sammy and Tyreek have done a really good job being around McColl, making him understand, like, you know, the business of the game and understanding, like, the magnitude of, like, the opportunity that you have playing with Patrick Mahomes because Sammy comes from the EJ Manuel days, comes from the Jared Goff days, and was like, hey, man, it ain't like this everywhere else with Patrick Mahomes. So I think for McColl, it's going to be fascinating to know can he harness that potential? I think he's really motivated because the team, I mean, the team wasn't really shy about like, hey, man, like we was going to give Juju Smith-Schuster $11 million because we think he's a little bit more reliable than you. So until you show us, like, you know, I mean, it's it's a business. I will say that all the time. Like, it's a business. Handle your job. If you do it at a really high level, uh, they're going to pay you. You're going to get a lot of respect. But um, I think a lot of it is on Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, um, Eric Bieniemy to pull this dude along and say, hey, let's give him every opportunity. You may be upset in October this upcoming year when he drops a pass, but they got to keep feeding him just to know like what he has. Um, and you know what? Another example is the Buffalo game. He he fought, he muffs the, the kick return, the punt or whatever. Yeah, the punt return. And everybody stops by, like, pick your head up, get up, mm-hmm. come on. We need you, we need you, we need you. They get him right back into the flow, they get him right back in the game. He scores the first touchdown. It's it's like I don't know if it's is is I don't know if it's cool that you have to do that. I don't think you have to do it every time, but it it, it truly shows that they care about McCole. Like they mm-hmm. know if we get McCole going, you can't really stop us. Like, who you going right. to guard? You know what I'm saying? So that's another reason why I love Noah Gray, too, because if he's anything potentially what he could be, then who you going to guard? You got to man up everybody. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So Right. And and the thing that I know, I, I know this is what Andy wants to do with Noah Gray. All right, we kind of we, we break the huddle and we line up with two tight ends over here, right? And they used to do this with like they used to do this with Alex Smith, where they would come out in a formation and they say, "All right, now everybody move." And like all of a sudden, Travis Kelsey would go over here. Noah Gray will go across the formation. It'll be a completely different look. But we got your linebackers on the field because you got two tight ends. And like defensive coaches will say, "Hey man, two tight ends. Hey, bring bring where's, where's that? bring a linebacker in." But if you put Noah Gray in the slot to the left and Travis Kelsey in the slot to the right, spread everybody out. Now things get really interesting because you got to pick who you want to cover most or who who you're going to shade your coverage to. I like, look, man, I saw some things at training camp last year that I cannot tell you, but if Noah Gray is as talented as <laughs> if Noah Gray is as talented as I think he could be, and if he picks up the offense really quickly. Man, they could do some interesting stuff where you just you just didn't see it last year. And so, um, yeah, all these young guys matter. I mean, McColl, Clyde, Noah Gray, you know, Cornell Powell, uh, who had a really nice college season last year. Um, yeah, Pringle. Like, I mean, all these young dudes are really going to matter because the defense has to respect Tyree Speed, and we can't be getting out here. We can't be out here getting smoked by Travis every third down. So that that like here's all the opportunities for everybody else to succeed. 
Exactly. And let's get let's let's get into know okay. Let's get into some of these draft picks anyway. Um my bad, Boogie. I'll let you get in next. My fault, man. Um so speaking of Noah Gray, yeah. uh do you buy into the baby Zeus hype based on what you've seen on film from college days? <laughs> I, I love it. I mean I, I want to. I wanna I wanna love this dude so much. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready, y'all. I'm ready to give my football heart to Noah Gray just because I kind of know what the offense is, right? If you already know what the offense is, you already know, hey, if we get two of these dudes that can kind of do similar things. Now, he'll, I don't think he'll ever be Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is a Hall of Famer. There is really nobody like him. Right. But, you know, the Patriots used to run offense with two tight ends where they were kind of unstoppable just because you're having these guys that are so flexible and can move around and just think he, like, blocks a couple plays for Clyde and then – Couple plays later, he's out on a little out route, and he catches the ball and he gets a first down. I mean, it's there's just there's a lot of options there. I I wanna I wanna dream. I wanna dream that it's gonna work. Um, I I do that with a lot of the late round draft picks, guys. I was I was like, you know what, Darwin Thompson's gonna be a player, guys. You, you just you wait, just you wait. I wanna I wanna believe in the late round draft pick. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see. I think, I think there's a chance, uh, but I'll have a better answer in camp because here's something that, that I started to realize covering the team, you know, day after day, go to St. Joe, be out there in that hot sun, run the same thing over again. And the coaches just drill you. They're like, run it again. And you're just like, Ooh, I, I'm tired. Just watching y'all do this. Like, so if he can hold up in training camp, then I'm like, okay, he might he might work out. But you know, Andy Reid's training camps are really hard. Like I can't I can't tell you guys how hard they are. Where it's just like, how many not like? And this is an idea, and I hope nobody does this. But like this upcoming training camp, I'm honestly going to try to figure out how much does Tyreek run, y'all? He runs like 25 nine routes. It's insane. It's just like, okay, next one, go. And it's just like, when is his hamstring going to snap? My hamstring hurts just watching him. And so they'll go for two and a half, three hours, and you're just like, oh, my God, why, Andy, this is like, this is absurd. But what happens in September? They smoke people. And it's just like, it's proven. It works. Some coaches are like, I don't want to beat my team up before the season starts. Andy Reid is very much like, if I make it hard now, it should be easier when we actually play somebody that doesn't know what's coming. And that is that has been the case. I think they've won like 20 straight games in September. It's absurd. Yeah. You got it, Boogie. No, St. Joe, if you've never been to St. Joe as a fan, you have to go to St. Joe at least once. Especially on scrimmage days. Like Woo! the best. Woo-hoo! And and it gets very hot, and there's no shade. No shade. <laughs> Nowhere. Like no. so, bring Gatorade, bring water, <laughs> and binoculars. But yeah, you have to go to St. Joe. It's only a 45 minute drive. It's a terrible drive too. It's a very boring drive, but <laughs> it's, it's it's worth it though. You gotta go. <laughs> you gotta go. Hey Nate, so, so we got uh, Vince like wasn't done picking people up. Vince seemed like he wasn't done picking people up. Out of all the free agents that's available, 
who you think is most likely for him to sign? Got like Justin Houston, we got Breland out there. We heard something about Steven Nelson. What you think? <laughs> look, look, do, do people know my history with Steven Nelson? <laughs> like, oh man. I, okay, real quick, I'll, I'll answer your question, Boogie. I this is just a guess. I put up there like two days ago. I think there's a chance they still sign Breland at some point, like Rashad Breland. Um, they probably need one more cornerback, and he already knows the system. So just figure it out, fellas. Like how much, like how much money is guaranteed? Uh, it's probably another one-year deal. Uh, you know, Brett Veach is very clear on like if you play eight games, you make this much. If you play 16 games, you make this much. If you do this in the postseason, you make like there's a lot of incentives, uh, and so sometimes agents and the team can like go back and forth on that, and it's just like, I, can can my guy get more money just up front? And the team's like, we need him to perform. <laughs> like, like, right. I'm just not gonna give you all the money now. Like you gotta kind of work for it. So again, I understand both sides. I think Bashad is the it makes the most sense. I would love it if Justin Houston walked through that door again. Woo wee. Um. I don't. I don't yeah, think it's. Yeah. I don't look. I'm saying that from like a from like a story, like from a reporter standpoint. Woo-hoo! Give me Justin Houston. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's probably not gonna happen. Um, the last guy was Stephen Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to be as real as I can. Stephen Nelson, fine gentleman. Uh, pretty good football player, despite him like not being that great in Kansas City up until this last year. Contract year, kids, is as Therese Paler would always say, the contract year, if you got talent, is kind of undefeated. Had his best season with the Chiefs in a contract year. Made a lot of money in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh realized that there's only so much of a ceiling to Steven Nelson. So they cut him because what you find out is – to get anybody who you think is a starter on the free agency market, you have to overpay that person because that team wants them, this team wants them, and this team wants to be on the phone with them. Like, can we just get can we just get on the phone and talk to you? And the agent's like, no, I already got three teams that I know want him. So, you know, um, they overpaid. The cap went down. They cut Steven Nelson. Nobody assigned Steven Nelson since. That's kind of the point, kids. Like, is Steven Nelson difficult to work with? Perhaps. Did Steven Nelson like Bob Sutton? No, he did not. Um, was Steve Nelson kind of corrupted by maybe Marcus Peters? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, I walk up, I walk up to Steven Nelson in 2018. They're giving up a million points. Um, and I go, hey man, can I just ask you a couple questions? Like, Want to know what's going on with the secondary? Is Eric Berry going to play? You know, like, I'm just trying to get, like, <laughs> just trying to get Steven to talk. He's like, I'm not going to talk until uh, – God, I can't remember what the quote was. He's like, I'm not going to talk for the rest of the year until I get my bag. And I was like, you sure you want to do that? <laughs> you sure? Like, you wanna, like, come on, man. Um, so uh, we, we had a very contentious time in the locker room. To, to the point that, like, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is. Uh, I 
I don't know if he fits Spagnolo's system, if that makes sense. Like on a football level. Like you know. I would tell them to go sign beside Breland. Okay. That that would be my recommendation to the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's go sign the guy who's who's been pretty good the last few years, you know. Nate, you want to hear something crazy? Uh Steve Nelson was the first initial podcast guest we had on this show, me and Charles. We interviewed Steven Nelson for over an hour. It was actually a great interview. We talked yeah. about his old college and all that stuff. I messed the audio up. We never got to release it. Oh, no. <laughs> so, with that in mind, I always kind of like never went hard on Steve Nelson because I was, <laughs> he showed us so much love and, and, and respect and all that. Oh, and hey, chill out, chill out. <laughs> so he brings us this big old interview when he just really burnt that bridge last year. He just kept going. And I was just I just couldn't take it no more. But if we get back with Steven Nelson, and, and Steve, I still kind of got a little bit of love for you. You have to have the big pie, whipped cream on top, and and whatever <laughs> drink you need to watch it. Down. There's no way we find something else. There's no way we find something else. Hey, Nate, one more. Melvin Ingram, could we had him in for a visit too? What about him? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I I think that would be like a pretty good signing too. Um, if like part of it is like he had a knee injury last year, so you need to figure out like what his medical situation is and if his you know if his body's healed up the right way. I think Melvin is a smart dude and he knows like pass rushers make 10 plus million every year. Cause that's how, that's how important they are to go get the quarterback. I don't know if the Chiefs didn't meet him where he wanted in terms of the money. And I don't know how much that's going to change. Cause I don't have a lot of cap space left. Um, but look, Melvin, Melvin Ingram didn't want to sign a deal with the chargers. I mean, it's on hard knocks where he was just like, no, I want, I want more money. Um, and I completely understand that. So I don't know if that's going to happen. I haven't really heard anything about that since. I'd heard more about Bashad Breeland of late than Melvin Ingram. But, I mean, it wouldn't be a bad fit. It's just a, it's just a matter of, like, do you want, you know, Brett, always, Brett Beach always says this, but, like, do you want to keep some cap space available so that you can sign a guy in, like, the middle of the season, or do you want to – Sign Melvin Ingram now, and you don't have any cap space for the rest of the year unless somebody gets hurt or you cut somebody surprisingly and it opens up a little bit. So that's a decision they're going to have to make. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but Shaw Breland will cost less, I think, than Melvin Ingram, which, again, it goes to, like, Breland's benefit. Shoot, I'm kind of with you on that. Uh been hearing, been hearing little rumors that uh... – Brinley could be close to making a decision, like as far as uh staying here. So we'll just see what happens with that. But I just want to say this real quick about Steven Nelson. I definitely want to give him love for you know letting us interview him and everything. But dog, you burnt too many bridges, man. It's a tweeze, dog. Talking about this is the best organization I ever played for, no cap. And you did nothing with the Steelers. The Steelers as a team did nothing. So Bro, you got to do a lot, bro. You got to do a lot to come back here, dog. Yeah. I just, just got to say, just keep that same energy, bro. Don't yeah, try to I, come back over here when it's hot, you know? Yeah, I, got, I mean, I got friends in Pittsburgh. I know I know the – you know, I know Mark Caboli, who's our beat writer with the Athletic in Pittsburgh. And uh, I had heard good things that he had, like, you know, 
I don't know if there was like a reputation about Steven that was like super negative. I don't want to say that, but I, I did hear that he was like a much, like he was just happier in Pittsburgh. And so you have, so he had better relationships with people in Pittsburgh. It kind of sucks that, you know, they kind of looked at their cap sheet and was like, like, well, we can't get rid of TJ Watt, you know, but we got to get rid of somebody, you know. And so they, they obviously made the decision with Steven. I mean, Steven is a good player. He's never going to be great, but he's he's good. He can be a starter for you. Um, but I heard he was much like, – he was so – I don't know what Bob Sutton did to this man. Um, would be my question. Like, what did Bob Sutton do to you? Because you were so angry, sir. You were so angry. And then he left, and then he went to Pittsburgh. He went to Pittsburgh, and he was he was pretty happy. He was a pretty good dude. So um, I hope he's, you know, I know he's hungry for the next opportunity. I don't know where it's going to be. I, I I'd be shocked if it was here, but hey, you know, crazy things happen all the time. Uh, but I heard he was a I heard he was a much easier guy to deal with after he left Kansas City. Right. So um, let's get on with the let's get on with the next um, offensive stud that she's drafted. Um, this was this was their second pick. Let's get on, let's get on to Cree Humphrey. Cree Humphrey, he looks like a dude that's going to be in the league for a very long time. Say like a twelve year vet, maybe a future All Pro. Um, so what what's your opinions about Cree Humphrey being the future center for the Chiefs? Uh, yeah, I think the team wants. I think they want him to start. Honestly, I know they signed Austin Blythe um, in free agency for a one year deal. I think if everything goes well, like Creed Humphrey is going to be your starter. Um, you know, I've made some comparisons to like what they did with Mitch Morse back in 2015. Like he was the guy came from Missouri, you know, similar region. He was really good at Missouri. He just came right into the league. He was really good with the Chiefs. He, he signed a pretty big deal with Buffalo um, when he reached free agency. So, yeah, I think Creed is a, is a player that I trust. Um, a lot of scouts say that like he's just a he's just a hard nosed dude, and the benefit for him, and I kind of wrote about this a little bit, but the benefit for him is that he's going to be playing with Orlando Brown, who used to be his college teammate at Oklahoma. So, um, I mean, again, if Patrick Mahomes is protected, all them dudes might go to the Pro Bowl because <laughs> like this might <laughs> like like all those dudes might go to the Pro Bowl. So like it's. It's definitely out there for him. It's a it's a possibility. I think it was a really smart pick, just because not a lot of teams needed a center, and you got him in the second round. And it's just like, hey, if he starts on day one and is really good, like no one will ever complain about that draft pick. It'll just be like, hey, we got a starter. That dude's really good. Um, you know, it'll be fun to see in training camp like his relationship with Patrick because he used to play with Kyler Murray at Oklahoma. And then Jalen Hurts transferred, and so he played with Creed for a year as well. Um, and so so Creed understands how to play with mobile quarterbacks. Uh, it'll be cool to see how many reps the coaches give him early with Patrick. And if Patrick starts to like him, now you understand why he could be a starter uh, next season. Yeah. And then, like the final, then the final uh, office selection they made. Because I mean, you already mentioned Cornell Powell that he, he's probably gonna be like a special teams guy more than likely. So we have to wait on him a little bit. But uh, Trey Smith though at guard, I feel like that was a heck of a steal. I'm like, you get an All American in the in the sixth round, an All American right guard. Like, come on, and the film stood out. I know they, they might make a lot of teams look stupid, right? 
Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know. Like, now people wonder, like, if you haven't heard already, the reason why, I mean, the main reason why he fell in the draft was because uh, in 2018, he was diagnosed with having uh, blood clots in his lungs. Yeah. Like, very serious stuff. Don't want to mess around with it. Uh, they thought they had it cleared up, and then it kind of came back during his sophomore season. And so he shut it down. And the good thing for the Chiefs is, and I asked this question to, to one of the guys in the front office, I mean, they feel like he's medically healthy. He went to the combine. He didn't really have any issues in terms of, like, uh, blood testing, which they do in the NFL. Um, I don't – I mean, I'm kind of shocked, Chuck, that they took that, like, he was there in the sixth round. I'm, 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 I mean, I'm surprised. I mean, like, if the dude's good, which he was in college, like – he might be good in the NFL. And so I think what the Chiefs want is – I think they don't want him to start the season, right? I think right. they want him on the roster, practicing, getting better with his technique, learn from guys like Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, Kyle Long, Joe Tooney. Like, these dudes have been in the league for a while. Like, all these dudes are veterans. Like, these are the three guards you're going to be dependent upon, right? Like mm-hmm. – LDT's coming back from the from opting out. Uh, he already knows the system. Kyle Long's going to learn it as quickly as he can. I think those guys may play the right guard position. Like basically, pick who you want to pick. Like maybe they start the year with LDT. If there's a drop off. They can bring in Kyle Long. They gave Joe Tooney the most money in guard history. Basically, yeah. Play the left guards. So it's going to be him and Orlando Brown. So if everything goes right for Trey Smith, it's you learn from all three of these dudes. Uh, you really get better in practice. And Cal Long and LDT are only on this team for this year. Both of those guys will be free agents after the season's over. Um, who knows what happens with either of those guys. But if there is an opening at right guard in 2022, that could be your spot, you know, if you show that you're, you've gotten better as a rookie without having to play so much. That way we know we can put you in and you can play really well next to guys like Lucas Niang or whoever is at right tackle. So, um, interestingly enough, when they drafted – I think they drafted – I have to do some research. Somebody can check this for me. But I think they drafted Laurent Duvernay Tardif late in the draft as well because he came from Canada. And they were like, Canada football is different than pro football. You sit over here and you learn for a year. And then he became a starter. Uh, the next season, I believe, right? Like, it was pretty clear that, like, oh, Lowell has talent. They developed him. He's ready to go. I think they want the same thing for Trey, where, hey, man, you learn from Larry, learn from the offensive line coach, you understand what the team wants from you, and in 2022, you hit the ground running. Well, this is a question for Nate, for all of us. So, um, which pick in this draft is our favorite and why? I'm going to start with you, Nate. Uh, yeah, they, I, I wrote this in the athletic too. Um, and I hate when they kind of do this. They're like, all right, so here's all the players. Tell me who's your favorite. And it's just like, well, can I see them play a game? Um, uh, I think it's Creed Humphrey. I just think he's the safe. I, I, he's the safest pick. Like if you tell me who's starting day one out of these six guys, I'm going to say it's Creed. Probably. Um, I, I got I kind of got to see it with Nick Bolton in, in 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 training camp in preseason, much like what I mentioned earlier. It's really hard to play linebacker in this league, man. They be going at you. Uh, 
So maybe five years from now, it's Nick Bolton because he makes more highlight plays, right? Interceptions, sacks, strip fumbles, big third down tackles, goal line stands. Like Nick Bolton has the chance to have some really good highlights. But I think my favorite pick right now is Creed Humphrey because the whole offseason was about protecting Pat. And so if you give Pat a good offensive lineman in the draft, you already traded for Orlando Brown. You already got Joe Tooney, uh, you know, Lucas Yanks coming off of, of opting out. Like if Creed Humphrey is that that final dude, that fifth offensive lineman, then the Chiefs do what they were supposed to do, you know, which is not half what happened in the Super Bowl. You know, there's no, you know, it's, it's not Andrew Wiley's fault, but Andrew Wiley probably should be starting this year. You know, so I think it'll be pretty hungry. My favorite pick was Orlando Brown. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. Hey, he was like, like the, the Chiefs were like, hey, here's our here's our first round pick. And it was a video of of, uh, of Orlando. That's a that's a that's a really good that's a really good answer. I'm I'm gonna go with Bolton, man. I, I like him. I think he do something that we ain't had on this defense. He got that that tone setting. He can make them hits. We ain't had nobody that when you. Throw it across the middle. They lay that hit. You respect them. We ain't really had that type of intensity on defense. Not since, not, not since Derek Johnson. Yeah. Exactly. Not since DJ. Who would you say, Chuck? I think I'm going to say Nick Bolton. I'm going to say Nick Bolton, too, man, because I just want that smoke, man, for all those Chiefs fans that are questioning the pig. I'm going to my man, Sean Smith. He was a guest on yeah. here earlier on mm-hmm. Kingdom Cast saying the Chiefs need to go this route. And I'm sticking with my guy, man. Plus, I watched Nick Bolton at Mizzou, too, man. And I like what I saw on film. That dude's a special mm-hmm. player. But um, I'm not going to say – because here's my thing. Somebody had brought up, like, the metric stats for Darius Leonard, right? And it wasn't as good on the athletic score and stuff. But he turned to be a two-time all-pro linebacker. So I'm not saying Nick Bolton's going to be a future all-pro linebacker, but he could turn into a pretty damn good player. So I'm sticking with Nick Bolton. Yep. Hey, man. Uh, just don't get hurt. Tackle people. Fly around. Like, I mean, you know, see ball, go get ball. I mean, it's sometimes we make this game so complicated, but if you can do that, hey, man, you'd be really good. Like, Darius Leonard, like, just – Man, he's all over the field, you know. So and by the way, Nate, by the way, Nate, I, I played the Dolphins, I played as the Dolphins GM, right? And the two guys I selected was Darius Leonard and Mika Fitzpatrick, because they had two draft picks that year. Year, yeah. I hit on those. So Hey, there you go. Go ahead. You know, I again I wanna believe, but I, I, I was really like, the way you feel, Chuck, was the way I felt about Willie Gay last year. I thought for a fact, I'm like, oh, man, Willie Gay, like, that's going to be the best pick out of this draft class, even with Clyde. I was just like, I kind of loved the Willie Gay draft pick last year. So who knows? I mean, maybe it hits, maybe it doesn't. Nick Ball reminds me a lot of D. Greenlaw from the Niners. Okay, Phil, I kind of see that. I just, I just want to see it. You know, last year, last year, everybody was like mad at me because I was like, look, guys, um, 
and I mean, I was told this, so it's not like I'm revealing a secret, but like I was telling people like, hey man, you're not gonna see Willie Gay until like October. And they're like, what do you mean? And I was just like, the coaches aren't gonna play him till October. <laughs> like there was no preseason. There was no like off season yeah. program. Like they just like, they're gonna take it really slow with Willie Gay. So they don't, they don't really have that option this year with Nick Bolton. Cause again, no Damien. No Damien. And you're supposed to be better than Ben Neiman. Right. So but you're starting. <laughs> so you're the starter. <laughs> right. So um, I'm glad you mentioned preseason. I'm glad you mentioned that. So they reduced it to two games now, right? With this 17-week schedule, right? Okay, so like how do you feel about preseason being reduced? I mean, do you think that's gonna affect like the timing of all these NFL teams? Cause I know some fans don't aren't a fan of preseason, but I feel like you kind of need preseason to get the timing down. You know what I mean? You, you got to get some get enough game reps in to get everybody on the same page. So do you, are you going to see like a major difference with it being two games now as far as like yeah, I can't, football? Yeah. I, somebody check this. I can't um, – I can look on my phone real quick. I can't remember if it's two games or three games. I know the, the Players Association – yeah, the Players Association was pushing for two – and I think the league was like, let's compromise and do three. Is that right? Is that right, country? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, so, this is, so it's three, which ultimately really means it's two. Because, like, ain't nobody playing the third preseason game. Yeah, you, you really shouldn't. So, so here's the thing that, like, I mean, the fun part about all of this is uh, preseason, I have to remind myself, I get so excited the first preseason game because it's like, hey, there's football. It's like right. only two dudes on a field. Like, holy smokes, it's been a while. Right. Uh, and then, like, 10 minutes into the preseason game, you're like, when does the season start? Like, when does We all do that, yep. <laughs> like, 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 10 minutes in, you're like, all right, they ain't running no real plays. Uh, everybody's taking it easy. Everybody making business decisions because yep. you want to stay healthy. Yep. Uh, when does the season start? I think it'll be cool that, like, at least they reduced it. Um you have to remind people, preseason is really important for Chad Henney. Preseason is really important for the rookies. Preseason is really important for, like, I mentioned two players, two dudes I really like. Darwin Thompson, he's going to have to ball in the preseason. Um, Colin Saunders, you're going to have to ball in the preseason. Like... You know, so it's kind of those those guys that have been draft picks and haven't had as much success or guys that need to, like, really earn their roster spot. We're looking at you again, Nick Kaiser. You want to make the team again? Like, you know, uh, play well. So it's, it's a lot of, like, the it's, it's really important for the twos, right, the second team unit. Um, I, I think, you know, a lot of fans may not know him, um, but I – I didn't miss preseason at all last year. It was kind of great with the, you know, one of the few benefits to the pandemic. But we never saw Jordan Tamu, who is the third string quarterback from Mississippi, who has a little Patrick in him, just a little, just just a little. And, you know, he has yet to play in an NFL game because there were no preseason games last year. Uh, the Chiefs brought him back. It's clear that Chad Haney is going to be the backup this year. But the hope is, like, if Jordan Tomu plays really well in the preseason, 
and he keeps learning the roster, he keeps learning the playbook, maybe he'll be Patrick's backup in 2022. So I can give you like 10 guys that I would be excited to watch, but they again, they're not running any real plays. And you're watching guys that are going to get cut. And we did this for four weeks. Like I used to just ask myself all the time, like, we did this for four weeks before we played a real game, you know, whereas in college, they're just like, all right, boys, game's on September 10th. See it in, you know? Yeah, but, yo, I'm glad you mentioned Colin Saunders, though, because <laughs> I remember a tweet. I don't know if you know who um, at Tyler I am is, but um, Steve Spagnuolo had commented on Colin Saunders when he switched the linebacker when they played the Chargers. And he said <laughs> it kind of reminded him of LeVon Kirkland. And it reminded me of this tweet from Tyler I am. It said, I haven't seen a single snap since they said um, Leonard was 215 pounds. I believe he's talking about Darius Leonard. And he said, can't shake it. Welcome to the days of LeVon Kirkland, a real <laughs> linebacker. <laughs> he's, he's so athletic man like uh, colin saunders like if people don't if people don't know this he was a beast in high school like a beast they, they used to have him play running back it was insane um it's crazy that he can even like look halfway decent playing linebacker in the nfl at his size at like almost 300 pounds you're just like so look i I want I want him to to, to have success because he's a really good dude. Um, is Spags gonna keep him there? Is he gonna keep Charlamagne linebacker? No, I think I think I think he wants to stay on the defensive line. But you know how that was in Week 17. It was so funny because I mean it it was funny and then it wasn't funny because it was like, Ugh. but because uh, it would have been nice if Willie Gay was like playing in the Super Bowl. Problem was he didn't play because he got hurt. So. Yeah. Here's this game that doesn't matter. Um, you got to play it because it's week 17. The Chargers don't really care about it either. Um, and Andy's like, we got to play all the young guys. So guys like Colin Saunders, Colin's like, you know, God, what? I mean, what happened to DeAndre Baker was just like, like it kind of broke my heart. Ooh, that, I mean, that that broke my heart because it was like he had already gone through his whole ordeal with like, you know, whether he was, you know, trying to be compromised, you know, by just, you know, crazy people, honestly. And there was really nothing that came of it, you know, they were trying to like export him. Um and so he breaks his he breaks his femur, I think that I think he broke his femur. I believe so. That dude was playing so well up until that. He was playing so like right. So it was like, um and I remember at the time I was like, guys, the game only matters for two players, DeAndre Baker and Willie Gay. Because Willie Gay should play in the postseason because we all know he's we all know he's talented. And hey, man, DeAndre Baker, another corner, throw him out there. You know, like hey, put another body out there. And both dudes got hurt in the game. It's just like this this wasn't this wasn't the way it was supposed to go. So I don't think like I'll. It's funny like you have me thinking now. I'll ask Spags this in training camp. But I think Spagnolo looked around and was like, damn, we don't have any other linebackers because Willie got hurt. And it's just like, hey, Colin, can you, like, fill in? And Colin was like, I guess I'm going to have to earn my paycheck today. And, like, he had a – uh, there was one snap where he, like, was the Sam linebacker and he, like, pursued it really well. And I was like, look at this. Look at this big man moving space, tracking the ball. Uh, but, yeah, so, like – I think he'll be back to like being a defensive tackle, 
but it's it's crowded up there, man. Like you got Chris Jones, you got Darren Reed, uh, Trishon Wharton, like just jumped over him last year on the roster. So like the Spags want to keep four defensive tackles on the roster. I don't know, Colin. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to make that decision hard, you know, come training camp and preseason. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. You got something, bro? <laughs> no, man. I think we covered everything, man. Um, um, just uh, want to give a uh, a nice uh, shout out to Nate. I mean, uh, he's one of those guys. And, and Nate and Therese is kind of you know the the young black guy that's reporting and doing something that we like and, and speaking as. Uh, being our voice as fans in the media and uh, to the team and stuff, so we just all the respect and then and then congrats and uh, all the praise for your work and you've been doing great. I, I finally subscribed to the athletic, so I've been reading you. Thanks for that discount. <laughs> no, but yeah, I think you're really starting to get your props now and and. That's nice, man. You you're a great guy. Thank you. Thank What's you. What's your local guy? So yeah, you know, yeah. between you and um, you and BJ kind of have like a similar. Mm-hmm. Like BJ came from us, literally Chiefs Twitter, and yeah. rose through the ranks to the to the kingdom, and uh, and he's doing big things. Like they did something huge this week. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, so, yeah. Shout out to the Kansas City Sports Newsletter, man. It's that's that's exciting. I mean. Even even my guy Jeff Allen, I'm just like man, like Jeff Allen, Mike DeVito, like these are dudes, man. Yeah, they're like lit, man. like look, look at what BJ's doing, man. So it's it's a it's a great time. Uh, again, I was I was I was thrilled y'all asked me. Happy to do it as always. Um, it's you know I've talked about Therese a ton. I mean I've known Therese since I was in college, you know. So I went to like it's crazy. Like I went to Central Missouri. And Therese had just come to Kansas City because he was covering high schools for the star. And so we just we just stayed connected this whole time. And um it's you know, it's amazing, man. I know how happy he was when I got the job to cover the Chiefs and you know, we would be at games together, man. It's just yeah, it's it's crazy. Um Therese loved the draft, and like I'm starting to like try to honor him that way. You know, I, I care too much about the games and like the stories and like the people, but like I, I'm starting to get it now, you know, especially trying to remember my friend, like starting to get like why Therese thought the draft was so cool. Just because, like, you know, it's these dudes following their dreams and getting this like ultimate success story, and whatever you do in your NFL career is you know, kind of up to you, but like, I mean, there's only there's like 200 and some odd dudes that get drafted every year. And like, you know how good you got to be to get drafted? So, I, I mean, I love Therese. I'm always going to, you know, honor him in a lot of ways. It was, it's, it, it, again, it's just, it's really cool to to live here, you know, when the pandemic's over, to like be out here. Like, one of my favorite things uh, one of my favorite things before the pandemic was like I would walk through the parking lot, like two, three hours before a game. I'd park my car, kind of see what the atmosphere is like, kind of smell the barbecue, being like, "Man, this is my city." Like everybody's geeked about 
whoever the Chiefs are going to play. And it was cool when people would just, like, recognize you and be like, we appreciate the work. Or, like, you know, you're one of us. And I would be like, I am. Like, this is, isn't this, like, ain't this crazy? Like, they actually gave one of these dudes a job to, like, cover this team. And, like, I know guys in the locker room know that. So, I mean, it's it's a really cool thing um, to know that, that people care and to just, again, even hang out with us tonight. Like, again, you know, I, I thank everybody for watching. Uh, please subscribe to the athletic. Um, we got all the promotion codes. <laughs> so <laughs> slide, slide in the DMs if you have to. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a great job, man. And uh, I'm just I'm just honored you guys had me on. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be around whenever, you know. So if you – if I, by the way, they're probably going to do training camp in St. Joe this year. So, hey, get your shots. Get your shots. Get vaccinated. I don't know if we'll be wearing masks in August, but, like, I'll be there. Come say hi. You know, that, yeah, that's a thing, too, I miss. Like, you know, I would see I would see fans. Um, I, I, I would see fans in St. Joe. And be like, you, like, do you know how crazy it is that, like, you could hug strangers because of a football team? Like, ain't that crazy? Like, it is like life is so much fun because we all have these common things that we enjoy. You can come into them differently, and like people would hug me, and I'm like, I'm like, after mind you, I'm not on the team. <laughs> I just covered the team. <laughs> like I, I'm not getting paychecks. Like, that, and then I would, then I would instruct them. BJ's over there. BJ is like getting paychecks. From Clark Hunt, okay, like I, but like, like that's that's just the cool thing about sports is like it all connects us. We all enjoy each other's company. We all got opinions. We all enjoy talking to one another about what the team is doing. Um, but yeah, man, I'm I'm excited to hopefully be back in St. Joe. Hopefully, get to hug people. Hopefully, everybody's staying safe. And yeah, man, let's let's just keep talking about this crazy team that. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be good year after year after year because they got fifteen. Oh, uh, we got to send a, we got to send a shout out to Harold Coombs though because he did. Oh, yeah, he, was, right. he, he was a connect. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was a connect. Good yeah. guy. Harold's oh a good guy too. Oh, me and Harold, oh. real, real quick. Me, me and Harold will text one another during these zooms with Coach, and it's hilarious. We're just like. You know, we're we're always talking. Uh, shout out to Carol, shout out to his wife Marcia. Um, yeah, just just love those two to death. Um, yeah, it was just. I mean, it's yeah, just. I was so happy when Harold came here because again, it was it was another black guy who came from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I come from Indiana, so like it's just you got all these again, you got all these common common you know things going on in our lives and. Yeah, he was just like, you're from here, right? And I'm like, yeah, man, I, I got you covered. <laughs> I'll tell you where to go. <laughs> yeah, Harold's a real good guy. Yeah, Harold's a really good guy, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Happy for Harold. Happy for Aaron Ladd. Um, shout out to him, too. He's up in uh, he's up at Channel 41. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have talked to him, but he's a really cool guy. He's one of the, he's one of the young, young cats coming up, uh, making me feel old, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aaron is tuning into our show, actually. I see him tune in before. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, definitely shout out to Aaron as well. 
Yeah, man. But all right, so so Nate, I want to thank you again for coming on to our show tonight. And also want to thank the audience for tuning into tonight's show. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and share on all your social media platforms. And what's up, Lennox? <laughs> I see you. The fourth member. What's up, Lennox? How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm that guy now. <laughs> my, my son does the same thing. <laughs> but until the next episode, Kingdom Cast, we're out of here. Say peace. Say peace. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>